Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Let's read the Bible. And it says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now go with me to the Old Testament, to the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at this book through the whole entire month as we study God's will, your life. Jonah chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But, everybody say but. (laughs) But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Verse 4, but. Everybody say but. Okay. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was on the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down in the inner part of the ship, and he had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise! Call to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come up upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. And they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more temptuous. It's a great word, isn't it? Tempestuous. Just sounds so good. Verse 12. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me. There's a lot of hurling going on. Have you guys noticed that? God's hurling winds. People are hurling cargo. And and now Jonah wants to get hurled out of the boat. It's a great word too. Mm. He said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more, come on somebody, tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood for you. O Lord, have uh, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled, come on somebody, him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. Verse 17, and the Lord opened up 
pointed and opened up the mouth of a great fish. Come on, are you with me? You reading this? To swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is, is absolutely amazing. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments we have together, that God, you would speak to us. God, teach us, encourage us, challenge us in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, amen. There was a, there was a girl talking with her teacher um, about whales. And they got on the subject of whales. And the teacher uh, began to tell the young lady, you know, it is impossible for a whale to eat a human. Because even though it's a rather large fish, uh, their, 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 their lungs are, are very small, and there's no way that, that, that a whale could swallow a human. Just, it, just, it just wouldn't happen. And the girl looked, well, it happened to Jonah. Jonah was in, you know, a whale. Teacher looked at her to reassure and say, no, I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, there is absolutely no way that that could happen. It, it's just impossible. The little girl looks at the teacher and says, well, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him and find out. The teacher looks at her and goes, oh yeah, well what if, what if Jonah's in hell? The girl says, then you ask him. Yeah. Teach that teacher, right? <laughs> now obviously the Bible doesn't, doesn't say it's a whale. It says it's a large fish. Uh, don't really know what kind of a fish, th- fish that was. Um, but today um, we're really not going to talk about a little girl and her teacher. What we want to talk about is God's will, your life. I want to begin to start this series today as we look at Jonah chapter 1, and we're going to discover very quickly something about God's will for your life. That God's will for your life, his ultimate will for your life, really has nothing to do with, with, with the job you're working, really has nothing to do with, with you know, the, the place you're living in. Although the Bible says in Acts chapter 17 that, that God himself establishes where you would live, he pre-appoints the times and the dwellings of your place, meaning that, that, that you were meant for this hour. Are you with me today? You were meant for this season. That, yeah, God even, God even orchestrated that you would be in San Diego. Come on. Whether you're here visiting from another city or, or, or whether you live here, that God appointed that you. So God establishes those things, but he establishes them for a purpose. And we're going to discover today and, and through this series what, what that purpose really is. Here's what has to take place in our life. At some point, we have to reconcile the fact that that our will, or as we think our will is for our life, that it's got to intersect with God's will for our life. And when our will intersects with God's will for our life, how many of you know that God's a lot bigger than you? Okay? And you have one of two choices. You can either surrender to his will, or you can run from his will. Okay? But ladies and gentlemen, you will never be able to change his will. Are you with me? So when your will begins to intersect with the will of God, man, you have, you have a choice to make. What am I going to do? Am I going to surrender and say, okay, God, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life, or am I going to run from God's will for my life? We have to reconcile that fact. If we don't, ladies and gentlemen, we could have a dream job but not be happy because we're still not in the will of God. We can have the most beautiful house and have a, a large amount of money and, and all these great people around us, okay? But if we're not in the will of God, none of those things, come on, in the end are going to make you, make you happen. Here's what, I've, here's what I've realized is that even if we don't understand the full direction or the full course of action that God wants us to take, okay, if we don't fully understand that, it's still beneficial for us to walk in the direction he's pointed us. To take the little parts you do know 
and to, to begin to walk with those things. And as you do that, what does the Bible say? As you're faithful with a little, God will give you more. As you're faithful with the little direction he gives you, okay, God will give you more. I, and now this is a real, a real simple uh, you know, story, but it's a pretty miraculous story. Um, when you listen to God and you do what he says, the end result is amazing. About a year ago, my mom lost the, her wedding ring just shortly after my dad had passed away. and So she's already going through an emotional time. And uh, my daughters love to go to No Wave Beach. What is that? It's, it's Mission Bay, the gross, stinky water. Yeah, my girls like to swim there, okay? And so we're down there, and they got Grandma to go in it and swim out to this little island, and, and she was playing around with them. And she had just had her ring resized shortly after my dad passed away. And, uh, and she was out there, and we're driving home, and as we get to my house, she looks down, she goes, oh, no, my wedding ring. They were married for 51 years. Been on that finger for a long time. And I just saw the pain. I was just like, oh, my gosh. And my wife gives one of these and goes, you're going back there looking for it. <laughs> it's like, yes, I am, okay? But that's a big bay, ladies and gentlemen. There were a lot of people that day, okay? And, and, and I'll be honest with you. We just got done with a series on faith. And I'll be honest with you. I was thinking, I'm going to go back to appease, you know, my wife and my mom, but I ain't going to find nothing, okay? I'll be honest with you. That's what I was thinking, but... So I, sure enough, I went back and I looked. I mean, I walked through the water. I was, I was digging through sand. I, I felt like I was mining for gold, somebody. Come on, I was like, I was sifting through everything. I went to every place she played at the kids. I was looking for this thing. I'm, I'm gonna find this, okay? And I didn't find it. I come home and, and I was like, I didn't find it. And, and so we go out that night and God speaks to me and says, I want you to go back the next morning. I want you to look for it. And I'm like, okay, you know, if it makes my wife happy and my mom happy, come on, somebody. <laughs> Make the women in your life happy and you'll be a happy man. So I, I, I'll, I'll go. I saw some of the wives just look at their husbands. Did you write that one down? <laughs> hey, say it again, Pastor. And so I went back the next morning. We're talking almost 24 hours had gone by, and I'm praying all the way there. And I said, God, I've got little faith right now, but could you just help that little faith to just, I, I need you to help me find this ring. And, and uh, so, man, it was like 6.30 in the morning because I wanted to get out there before anybody else got there. And, and, I, and I, I had my, my trunks on. My trunks, I didn't have Speedos, ladies. I had my trunks on. And I, want, I thought, I need some goggles if I'm going to try to find, you know, that ring. And uh, all I could find were my daughter's little, tiny, itty-bitty goggles, okay? So here I am, 6'6", six, six, with these little, tiny, little, itty-bitty goggles. I'm, I'm going out there, 6.30 in the morning. That water was cold. I get in the water, and I'm out there for about two minutes. And I finally just say, you know what, forget this. I am not going to find this. I said, God, unless you speak to me right now, I am never going to find this. And as soon as I said that, God said, stop, turn, turn right, and walk three paces and look down. I kid you not, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Now, at that moment, I was, I was holding on to anything I could. And I was like, okay. And no one was, yeah, there's actually people jogging in the morning, getting healthy, you know. And I'm just like, okay. So I, I, I turned right. I said, three steps, one, two, three, and I go underneath the water, and right there in the middle of the bay was my mom's wedding ring, and I picked it up, and I came out, and I was like, yeah! <laughs> now, I feel like I just won the Super Bowl or something, and this is a true story. Joggers are running by like, whoa, what's his deal, you know? Who's the guy out there in the little itty-bitty goggles, you know? And I just got this, I mean, but let, let me just tell you this, that, that if we're just obedient to do what God tells us to do in our life, there is a great reward at the end of it. 
But far too often times we battle against the will of God for our life. Maybe we don't, here's the thing, maybe we don't openly like, like, like just resist God, like no God, I don't like that, I'm not gonna do that. But too often times we are resisting the will of God because we aren't just doing the simple practical things he tells us to do. Well, here is, here is the thing that a lot of us are, are, are praying directional prayers God, what's the right job? And, and God, who, who am I going to marry? And, and God, well, maybe I should quit this job and get a different job. And, and God, maybe, maybe I should move from this city and go to that city. And, and God, you know, and we're, we're, we're freaking out about this, saying, God, give me direction. When God already has told us what his will is and given us direction, are you with me today? Here's the thing I've discovered is that, that we focus the will of God on temporal, earthly things too often. God, show me the right job. God, I want to move. God, who am I going to marry? Okay? And we find ourselves so focused on that. But today what we're going to see is that it doesn't matter what job you have, where you're living, that you can fulfill the will of God wherever you're at. Are you with me today? And so, and so I want to, I want I want to just, I just want to look at some of these things today and begin to begin to begin to see this. Uh, the book of Jonah. Let me just give you some background, if I can, because I know there's some people out there that like that like some background. Uh, the author of the book, Jonah, although it's n- nowhere in the Bible, is it ascribed, uh, you know, to Jonah? Like, hey, he wrote this. That most theologians believe he actually was the author, because who else would know that he was in the belly of a fish, right? Okay. Then they didn't have hidden cameras. It wasn't a reality show, okay? This, okay, so, so they believe he was the author. This was written during the, the reign of King Jeroboam II from about 793 to 753 B.C. Uh, Jonah was a, was a prophet of Israel. He was known as one of the minor prophets in the Bible. And uh, 2 Kings 14.24 talks about his ministry to Israel. Who is Nineveh? Because this is the people that, that Jonah is called to, and if we get some context of the people he's called to minister to, uh, you might run as well, okay? It was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, one of the greatest cities of the world at that time. It is now known as northern Iraq. They were a dominant military power that ruled by fear. It was comprised of evil, evil people who did not fear God. And here's the ironic thing. Ironically, this was the power that threatened Israel the most. He's a prophet to Israel. And God tells Jonah, hey, I want you to go speak against Nineveh so that they'll repent. So this was, this was a difficult task. Okay? Interesting fact about the book, the book of Jonah, is different from all the other prophets in that it does not focus on what he had to say, but on the historical narrative and what his role was. It's the only prophetic book like that in the Bible. Let's get into it real quickly and let's see what, what it has to say for us today. And I'm just going to begin to take verse by verse and we'll see how, 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 how far we get through this thing today. God's will, my life, how do we relate in the book of Jonah? Verses 1 and 2, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Mittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Why did God want him to do that? Simply God wanted him to do that so that they could see the error of their way and begin to repent. Here's two things we see right off the bat right here in Jonah 1, verses 1 and 2. Those things simply are this. Number one, God's will is seen. 
God's will is seen right off the bat. What is God's will? Here we are. God's will, my life. Ben, if God's will isn't just the job and, and God's will isn't just this and God's will, what is God's will? 2 Peter 3.9 says this, that God is willing that none should perish, but all should come to know the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What's God's will? God's will is that none should perish. So much does God believe in his will that the Bible says he sent his one and only son, Jesus, to come and die on the cross for humanity so that we could have eternal life with Christ Jesus. Are you with me today? God's will. God's will is seen in scripture. God's will is seen in his action in sending Jesus to die on the cross. Jesus comes. Why did Jesus come? I'm going to find me a really good job, a really good woman, and I'm going to get me married. No, that's not why he came, okay? The Bible says that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That was the will of Jesus. That is the will of God, and that is God's will for your life. Is it going to be that simple? The next one? Yeah, it's going to be that simple. <laughs> that you, you, you seek and save. Because the Bible says, let's look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Let's look at how he lived his life, because how he lived his life, that's how we're supposed to be. What is the will of God? God's will is that none should perish, that, that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. What did Jesus, what's the first thing Jesus did when he called people? Come follow me, I will make you. He didn't say, hey, come follow me, and I will make you a great fisherman. Come follow me, and I will prosper you, and you'll have the best business in the world. Come follow me and you'll have all the money you need. I wish that was in there. Come follow me and, and you're going to be famous. Come follow me and I'm going I'm to make your name stand out and people are going to, oh, there goes Ben. Okay. What did he say? He said, come follow me and I'm going to fulfill my will. Come follow me and I'm going to make you fishers of men. Come follow me because it's, it's God's will my life. Come follow me, and th this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do through you. Here's something we need to settle right now, ladies and gentlemen, that, that, that your will for your life is probably like, I want to make a lot of money. I want to find a hot guy if you're a single woman. You know, if, if you're married, then you're already married to the hot guy. You know, whatever it is, you know. You know, you want to do all these things. You have this list of wills for yourself, but your will has to intersect with the will of God. And the will of God has nothing to do about your fame, has nothing to do about your popularity, has nothing to do about, about how much money you make. Are you with me? That's why, ladies and gentlemen, you can be a barista at Starbucks and fulfill the will of God for your life. And for some of us that love Starbucks, they're like, yes, that is the will of God. Give me a grande, caramel macchiato, stirred. That was a hint. That's the drink I like if you ever want to buy me one. But see, if I'm just a barista, but not being a fisher of men, then I'm not fulfilling the will of God for my life. I can be a stay-at-home mom. Come on, somebody, give it up for the stay-at-home moms. They're the hardest working people on the planet. And they, they can fulfill the will of God for their life as they're at the park, and their kids are playing with other kids as they begin to share the love of Jesus. Are you with me? Or they can just be a stay-at-home mom. Call like, oh, this is so hard. Can't wait until my husband gets home. And we see the will of God right off the bat. 
God's will. Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh because I want Nineveh to be saved. God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to. The other thing we see is this, God's will. Uh, we see it right here, two things. We see God's will. The second thing we think is this, God calls people. Jonah, I want you to do this. God had every right to do that. God calls people. He calls sinners to repentance. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone would open up, I would come in and I would be with them. He calls sinners to repentance. And what is, what is the duty of the sinner? They can either, their will intersecting with God's will, they can either say, no way. Can't touch this. Okay. Or they could surrender their will and say, wow, I need him. He calls sin. That's the biggest call he makes as he calls sinners to repentance. Why? Because that's his will, that none should perish. And so, so the greatest will, man, none should perish, he calls sinners to repentance. The other thing he does is he calls Christians or Christ followers to obedience. And we see it right here. Hey, Jonah, I, I need you now. I want you to go do this. Okay? And he begins to, he begins to call Jonah to do something with his life. He calls believers to obedience. I write Isaiah 45, 9 down. You can look at it later. But too oftentimes as believers, I'm telling you right now, someone's got to catch this today. We are, just, we are just literally, you know, in our little prayer closet saying, God, what do you want me to do with my life? God, what do you want me to do? I want you to get out of your stinking closet, and I want you to go share the love of Jesus with somebody. It's really not that difficult. But, but, but God, but God, I need, I need the right job. I gotta move to the right place. Okay? God will do all of that for you if you just walk in obedience to the first part. Be fishers of men. See, we we got this thing backwards, ladies and gentlemen. God, show me where I'm supposed to work, and then, then I'll do your will. Just none should perish. God's like, start doing it where you're at. So if you don't do it where you're at, you ain't gonna do it there either. Because you'll make up some excuse. Oh, my boss said I can't witness to anybody cop out <laughs> here's here's if we understand that god's the one that, that that establishes the dwellings and the times and where we would be share your faith if you get fired he's got a better job for you but i really like my job it's not about you are you with me i don't know if i like this message <laughs> he calls people first he calls sinners to repentance second he calls believers to obedience to obedience the Christian life is so easy. He speaks, we do. How hard is that? The problem is I am so convinced. I am so convinced there's one or two reasons why people aren't fulfilling the will of God for their life. Number one, they don't know what it is. Okay? But that's only about 10%. The reason the other 90% don't, don't fulfill the will of God, here's the second reason why people don't, is because they're running from it. Well, I'm not running from it. I mean, I'm a pastor, and, and we're here every weekend, and we're, you know what? I could be a pastor and still not be in the will of God. Hmm. Just, just do the first part. What's that? Tell everybody about Jesus. Go make disciples. It's quiet here today. This is the will of God. Two things we see. We see the will of God. We see that God, God calls people. Verse 3. Look at verse 3. Verse 3, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down. Anytime you see the Bible talking about someone going down, it's usually they're going away from the will of God. 
They went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Look at this. Look at this. Jonah was not only running from the will of God, but when you run from the will of God, you run from the presence of God. And Jonah's eyes, he's like, I don't want to go to Nineveh. But the Bible says Jonah ran from the presence of the Lord. What are you running from today? You're running from the presence of the Lord if you're not in the will of God. If you're not doing the will of God. Like Jonah, you're running from the presence of the Lord. Interesting. Because we see this all the time that, that God calls, people run. God calls the sinner, they run. They run to their own stuff, their own thing. God calls the believer, ah, I don't know, they run. They run, but when you run from the will of God, you are running from the presence of the Lord, just as Jonah ran from the presence of the Lord. He ran, interesting, that, 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 that Tarshish was only about a 500-mile journey from where he was. Actually, no, Nineveh was only about a five, Tarshish was a 1,000-mile journey from where he was. Just, I'm going to go a little bit further to get away. Not only that, I mean, he goes and he finds a ship, pulls out his own money just to get away from the will of God. Here's the thing. When you're doing your will, you have to pay for it. When you're doing God's will, come on, somebody, he pays for it. He takes care of it. He, he finds the way. You just got to step out and you've got to obey. But like Jonah, too many of us, we begin to run when God begins to call. We need to begin to reconcile our will with his will. Verse 4, I love this. Verse 3, but Jonah. Verse 4, but the Lord. Jonah ran. Verse 4, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea. And there was a mighty tempest and, and, and so that the sea and the, or the ship threatened to break. And then the mariners were afraid. These were, these were experienced people. They were used to storms. But now this is how big the storm was. So big that they were afraid. And each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo over the ship of the sea. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship. And he was fast asleep. Wow. The captains ticked off. said, what are you doing? Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Verse 3, but Jonah. Verse 4, but the Lord. I mean, know that God's butt is bigger than ours. Come on, somebody. B-U-T, people. But Jonah, with Jonah working on stuff, he ran. But the Lord, and look at what God does. God hurls a great wind, a great storm, so much so that these experienced people that work on ships all the time are freaking out for their life. That's a big storm. Anybody ever seen the movie The Perfect Storm? And this was, a, they were freaking out. They're going crazy. Who caused the storm? God caused the storm. Here is something I've realized. Is that too many times we blame the devil for the storms in our life. When oftentimes it's God hurling a storm at you to get you back into his will and out of your own will. Well, I don't know why all these relationships aren't working out. They just seemed like such great people when we were clubbing last night that I just, you know. Sitting a little too close to home, huh? You know, I thought, you know, they just, and I, don't, I just don't get it, and it just doesn't work out. 
It's just so rocky. It's like a, it's like a storm. It's like, the, it's like the enemy doesn't want me to have a... No, maybe it's God. Hurling a storm at you to stop you from being stupid. Well... Mm. I don't know why. I just, you know, I tried to do this, and it's just like, man, it's like it's all like all, all hell broke loose. Maybe it's all heaven breaking loose. Listen to me. The storms in your life are not always the enemy. Matter of fact, oftentimes it's God saying, hey, I want you to get back in my wheel. I, I, I don't want you to run from me any longer. You know, stop doing this, stop doing that. Maybe the chaos, maybe the chaos that's taking place in your life, maybe you just need to sit back for a minute and say, God, am I in your will? Because I bet maybe you'll find out that you're not. Hmm. Remember, once again, what we talk about, the will. Yes, he, yes, uh, yes, there's times and seasons when he has specific things for you to do. But listen to me, if you are, if you are running, you know, running through your life looking for the next best job and, and looking for the next best place to live or looking for the next best relationship or looking for the next best whatever it is. That's how you're running your life. That is not godly. You know how people say, well, you know, I mean, you know, because here's the thing. You'll be at your job and you're getting paid and it's a good job and, and you're making money and, and God pre-established the boundaries, the dwellings of your time, but, but yet you just, you, you, you find yourself at lunch browsing through other jobs. Don't tell me you've never done that before. I wonder what else is out there. You start searching. You start looking, right? You know how they say the grass is greener always on the other side of the fence? You're like, oh, that looks, huh. This is what we've discovered is that the grass is actually greener wherever you water it. <laughs> so if you keep looking at that job and that, that, and that, and that, yeah, it's going it's to seem a whole lot greener, okay? But maybe the storm God's put in your life is trying to keep you from, from, from doing this thing or that thing or whatever. Maybe he's trying to get you directed. Are you with me today? to get you back into his will and his purpose because no matter where you are right now, whether it, be, whether, it be, whether it be San Diego, whether if you're visiting, I heard there's somebody visiting from Chicago, thank you, the Windy City, Windy City, sunshine, you can have your Chicago, I'll take my San Diego, okay? But you can fulfill the will of God right where you're at, right now. Is somebody with me today? Amen, amen. But God hurled. God creates storms in our life. God creates it. Maybe, maybe just go back. Maybe go back. And, uh, you know, we have people right now in our church that are looking at different things. I'm praying, God, your will be done. God, if it's your will for them to take that job in that city, God, do it. And I pray, Lord God, that they'll be able to discern. And, and, and we're not against those things. We just want people in the will of God. We have new people coming in, and it's like, okay, you know, is this the right church for you? As a pastor, I need to stop asking that question. <laughs> I need to start telling them this is the right church for you. <laughs> Just kidding. But we want people, you know, plugged in and working and going with what God has for their life, which ultimately is be a fisher. Be a fisher of man. Are you with me this morning? Should we stop and pick this up next week? Yeah, that's good. Thank you, Brandon. Yeah, yeah, that's good. There, there's food out there, man. And, and uh, I don't want the food to go bad, so... Let's pray right now. There's a, there's a holy moment here. Let me just finish this up real quick. Let me just finish this up real quick. Verse 7 and 9, they go on, and, and here's the thing that Jonah gets found out. 
He gets found sleeping. And, and the Bible says that they cast lots. They're like rolling dice. They're playing craps. Come on, somebody. They're in Vegas on the ship. It's a casino on the water, the first one right there. And he says, they roll the dice. And it falls with Jonah. God directed those dice to show us Jonah. Here's the thing. You cannot hide from God. God will use craps to find you. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Snake eyes. <laughs> God will use everything in his power to give you every opportunity to repent and turn back and get going on with what God has for your life. That is the mercy, the love, and the grace of God. Because the reality is, if you're not in the will of God, you're in sin. If you're not fulfilling the purpose of God, you're in sin. And the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you. What did I mean? Think about it. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, if you're not for me, you are a... Okay. Now think about this. Here's Jonah, and he gets found at the bottom. What are you doing? Sleep or wake up? And then they... It's you. It finds out. This is how sovereign God is. Because he loves you so much. He cares about you so much that he's got a great life for you. The Bible says that the thoughts he thinks towards you are good thoughts. Thoughts to give you a hope and a future. And he knows the best laid plans for your life. And here's what I've realized is that God will come. And let's just talk specifically for a minute about sin. If you've got sin in your life, sin will hinder you from fulfilling the purpose of God. If you've got sin in your life, I mean, the last thing you're going to want to do is start pointing out, well, maybe you like to point out other people's issues when you've got sin in your life to take, you know, the eyes off you. But you're not going to go out evangelizing like a madman if you've got bulks of sin in your life. But here's the thing that God does. God will come to us privately time and time and time again. Say, hey, Jonah, hey, Ben, you know what? You should stop doing that and start doing this. He'll come to your time. That's, that's the love. But God loves, and I know that the Bible says his love covers a multitude of sins. It does. But this is how much he loves you. That if you won't repent privately, he will expose it publicly. And that humiliation, by the grace of God, will hopefully cause you to bow your knee and surrender your life and say, man. We've seen it time and time again in the kingdom of God. You, you think about big name preachers that have, that have fallen, that have chose commit immoral acts. I know that God probably knocked on their door privately a hundred and something times. Hey, hey, get right, get right, get right, get right. You're not going to do it? Okay. Jonah finds himself. God's will will be done in our life. God will find you wherever you're at. I thought about Moses hiding out in the backside of a desert. God finds him through a burning bush. It's crazy the thing God's using in the Bible, huh? Hide now. Where, where are you hiding? You keep running. God, God, God wants you to fulfill this purpose. Verse 10, we see that, that God's will affects others. It affected everyone around him. They even looked at him and said, what are you doing to us? What have you brought upon us? When you don't fulfill the will of God, for you, it affects others. When you don't witness to the person at your job place, God has placed you there. Maybe he puts you there. Maybe you don't even like the job. If you would just witness that person, God might release you from that job you hate. <laughs> Are you with me today? Verse 11 to 16, go on. And Jonah, we see this, that Jonah gets out of the way. Let me read a verse 11 to 16 real quickly. 
It says this, And they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Think about the mindset that is now in Jonah. You know what? Just let me die. Get me out of the way. Get me out of the way. Then God will be appeased. Get, get me out. I mean, think about it. He's not thinking, well, throw me over and, and they'll probably, God will provide a raft for me. At this point, he's thinking God's trying to kill him. Yeah. It's like, you know, throw me over and I'm sure that, you know, a, a mermaid will pop up and we'll, you know, swim off together to, you know, mermaid land or whatever, you know. <laughs> he's like, look, it's over. Throw me over. Let me die so that you guys can be safe. And Jonah did not know how right he was at that moment. He thought he was going to die. The Bible says they hurl him over, and guess what happens? Boom! The storm stops. I don't even know if Jonah got a glimpse of it. Because before he could, boom, big fish. The story's getting crazier. Big, but the, look at what the Bible says. Look at what the Bible says. Look at what the Bible says. Mm. That the, the calm came. And the people on the boat started to give glory to God. Ladies and gentlemen, if you would get out of the way and allow God to perform his will in your life, if you would just be willing to die to yourself, if you would be willing for your will to intersect with his will, if you would be willing to say, you know what, guys, here's what needs to happen for the storm to begin to stop. I have to get out of the way. I have to surrender my will. God, I don't want to do it, but nevertheless, not my will. Your will be done. And as soon as Jonah got out of the way, the storm stopped, and people begin to glorify God. Why did people begin to glorify God? Because it's God's will that none should perish. Look at the story. It has to do with souls. It has to do with people. Those that, those that, those that you live next to. Those that you work with. For some of you, those that you're going out and partying with on Friday night. If you would get out of the way and surrender your partying and surrender your lifestyle, then God could use you to lead them into the kingdom of God. But you've got to get out of the way. You've got to die to yourself. Look at this, and in, in the Bible says that a big fish came up and swallowed Jonah. Let me just read to you Matthew 12, 39. Matthew 12, 38 says, Then some of the scribes and the Pharisees approached Jesus, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be there days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Think about that. One of the great pictures that Jesus uses to speak of his death, his burial, and his resurrection is the picture of Jonah. Think about it. Because it's in that moment, that season of confinement, we'll talk about it next week, that season of confinement that Jonah was in for three days that God begins to work something internal inside of him. 
because seasons of confinement lead to refinement in your life. And there he was stuck there for three days, hopeless, helpless, felt abandoned, felt ruined, felt wrecked, felt left, and in that place, God refines him and then begins to use him through the rest of the story. When Jonah finally came to the end of himself, he found a picture of the cross. He found a picture of Jesus. And when you, ladies and gentlemen, come to the end of yourself, when your will intersects with his will, you will find the cross. And at the cross, you surrender your life and you discover God's will, your life. You discover that at the cross, God, it's not about me, it's about you. That the will that God has for my life is simply this, that my life would be surrendered to him, walking in obedience, fulfilling his great design, his great commission, that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. When Jonah came to the end of himself, hurl me out. You know what needs to happen for some of us? We need to hurl ourselves out. Get rid of yourself. Get rid of your ideas. Get rid of your agendas for a moment. Listen to me. God will restore all the creativity you need. Listen to me. The Bible says, delight yourself, Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart, but you've got to come to the end of yourself first. Too many of you are seeking for the desire of your heart rather than delighting yourself in him. But if you would delight yourself in him, man, he will use you in a fulfilling way, but that fulfilling way will ultimately be fulfilled as you begin to share the love of Jesus with other people around you so that they would not perish but come into the kingdom of God. Lord, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Do me a favor, just close your eyes for a minute. I believe that over the next several weeks that God's gonna speak to you, that something's gonna be settled in you. Will there be this, will there be this master plan that's laid out for some of you? Yes, I believe there will. But for some of the rest of us, it's just going to be a simple wake-up call saying, hey, I have you at that career. I have you at that job. That is my will for your life. Why don't you start sharing the love of Jesus with others? For some of you, my God, I feel this for somebody. For some of you, you've made a decision in your life, and there's been a storm ever since. You've made that decision, and the storm is raging and you're thinking, man, the, the enemy's really resisting me. I, I, I want to challenge you this week to discern and decipher, God, are you hurling the storm in my life so that I can get back to the place you want me and to the will of God for my life? Hallelujah. But the ultimate will is simply this, relationship with him. Relationship with him, and then to spread that relationship on to others. The same life that's in you that you pass it on to somebody else. 